This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well out there. We're about to jump into part two here of our sermon series this month, and I am excited about it. All right, don't believe the hype. And um, let me pray, and we will get into the Word of God today. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Word. And God, I pray that you would speak to us and specifically, uh, Lord, uh, speak to every person. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. And so I pray that you would speak to us through the word of God and God do a work in us spiritually in this moment. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. All right. So just to kind of reiterate here, um, if you missed part one, please go back and listen to it. I strongly encourage you to do that. But um, just to kind of reiterate, and we're going to go into a text here that we shared last week. It's kind of like our text for the month. It just provides um just a focus of what this series is all about. But um, just to um, remind everybody, kind of to go back real quick and just touch on the big picture here of this series is that the point of this series is to speak the truth of the word, right? Just to speak the truth of the word. And in doing that, the lies of the enemy are exposed. Okay, and so why specifically today? Like, what are we going to talk about? And um, because um, we need the Word of God to keep us on course, to keep us with the right focus. Can I get an amen, somebody? Uh, To have the right perspective on life because we as believers, right, and church folk, right, we can... If we're not careful, we can get caught up in things um, and stray from what matters most. And so sometimes, you know, just got to get back, go back to the word on even just some things that are very foundational to faith, but are a great reminder. And even though some of what we're going to talk about today is very foundational, there's a lot, there's a rich revelation in even the foundations of our faith, okay? So that's what we're gonna do today. So let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse eight to 14. And we opened with this verse last week and we very well may open with it next week as well. But I will read here Ephesians five, starting in verse eight. And it reads, uh, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light, 
okay? Whatever makes manifest, whatever brings something, cr creates awareness around something that, you know, it, it is light. So it, it's just saying here that um, the, the light of the word, the, the light of what the Holy Spirit brings, the light that Christ is, um, will reveal what's hidden in the darkness, right? So verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. He's speaking of spiritual slumber, right? And just, you know, the light of the gospel, just when, when we're born again and we're, we, we're, we're legit saved, man, we start to see things for what they are. Like I, literally our eyes are opened. Like that old song, right? I once was blind, but now I see. There is something supernatural that happens to the human soul, the regeneration of the human soul, right? We're, we're re redeemed, we're regenerated, we're reconciled to God. All of those things that happen, we get born again, man, we just can see clearly now, okay? And so that's the purpose of this series is to expose um, how the devil operates by just simply um, speaking the truth of God's word. So today specifically, we're gonna talk about this. And here it is. It'll be up on the screen here. Um, for those of you that are participating online, our online service. But we're gonna talk about these two things, church hype versus Christ, okay? Church hype versus Christ, okay? And so here we go. Um, uh, there's a lot of church hype in our generation, Okay, meaning, and I'm speaking as a pastor, and I'm speaking as somebody that loves the church, and I've given my life for the church. Like, that's literally what I do. I am a pastor. And um, so I'm speaking from a perspective of somebody that loves and is a part of the church. Um, but I'm going to talk about things maybe within the church that are hype, and it's not necessarily Christ. It's just hype. It's it's like um, things that can seem to be like they are the main thing, but they are not. Okay, we're going to talk about this stuff. So, as I said before, um, there's a lot of church hype in our generation. Meaning, uh, we make a big deal. And I'm speaking to myself even, or, or you know, just pastors in the church world, right? If we're not careful, we make a big deal about the culture of our church or the church culture, uh, or, or the organizational vision, or the brand of our churches, right? And I would dare to say today that we make even a, we make a bigger deal about how we do church, and how we have church, and the type of church we like, and all of these peripheral things, all of these Maybe even some of these things are just aesthetics, okay? And we're talking about don't believe the hype, okay? So I'm talking about things that are not the main thing, but they, if we're not careful, they can become the main thing, okay? And we make a bigger deal, as I said, about how we do church, the way we have church, our method of church. We make a bigger deal of that than actually discipling people, you know, and, and just about how we, the church, ought to love and serve people in the everyday, in the day-to-day, -day, okay? And so um, this isn't a knock on the church, that the bride of Christ. It's just, let's 
let's expose what is hype and what is and bring to light and emphasis on what the church's role really is, who, who we really are, what we're really called to do, okay, and what we should really be about, okay? And so this isn't a knock on anything the church does. It it may it's just maybe a knock on what we shouldn't be about, okay? And that we make it about something that it's not. And so, you know, like gathering is is key to our faith, right? Um, gathering is key. It is, you know, in the scripture in Hebrews, it says, do not forsake the assembling together of, of yourselves, which is the habit of some, okay? Um, and then you just, you know, we're gonna get into this a little bit, just, uh, just really talk about what the church really is. What is the church? And what is hype within the church that, we need to stop doing and stop emphasizing, all right? And so, um, you know, uh, and so gathering is key, but let me say this. If we're not watchful or careful, we'll end up overemphasizing the time and place of church, quote unquote, as opposed to equipping people to be the church, right? So if we're not careful, we'll, we'll you know, for whatever reason, and there's multiple reasons for this, that the the church, the focus of church is a literal time and place that we gather, which is a part of what we do, but not all of who we are. Can I say that again? Gathering on a Sunday is part of what we do. It, it, gathering is part of what we do, but that moment and that event is not all of who we are. I would venture to guess that 90% of our life, right, as believers, our calling is outside of that moment. Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, so we're gonna get into this. Let me give you just another thought, say it a different way, but we gotta talk about this. Um, go to church versus being the church, right? Go to church versus being the church. So let's talk about this. Go to church versus be in the church. Here's a question. I, I think I got a lot of questions this, uh, this month because I think it's just good to ask questions, right? Just to ask these questions. And it's like when we talk about don't believe the hype, I think more than anything, I mean, last week we, we really just wanted to expose how the devil operates, how he tempts us, how he causes us to step into comparison and and not being content. And I really believe you ought to listen to that again and, and watch that again, watch it or listen to it again. I'm telling you, it's just, it's just some really good tools just in your practical life as a believer, um, how we ought to live and, and not believe the lies of the enemy. But, but if we're going to talk about don't believe the hype, we got to talk about the very hype that we create. Just where church becomes about things that not really, it's not really about. So here's a question. Are we driven to expand the institution or are we driven to actually develop believers, right? Which matters more? What is the church's true calling? Let me, let me just say it again, maybe say it a different way. I'll, I'll add a couple words to it to kind of maybe expand this a little more. But are we driven to expand the institution of church 
or are we driven to actually develop and disciple the believers who are the church? Are we wanting to expand an institution or are we wanting to actually develop the church? Are we trying to expand an institution or develop people? And which is it? What, what, what is this really? All right. What is this really in the heart of God? What are we truly called to do? Come on, if you're with anybody today, look at them and say, don't believe the hype. Right? So here we go. Let's just look at just some of uh, what the church is. You know, the, the, the church in the Greek language is ecclesia. That's why we call the study of the church um, ecclesiology. It, ek means call. Okay? It just means to be called out of. Okay? And then... That the etymology of that word is, is, is really two Latin words. Um, the church itself, by definition, in Latin language is convocatio and congregatio. It's where you get the word convocation and the word congregation. And so convocatio in the Latin is calling all to himself in order to gather them together. Okay, so it's just... Convo, vo, vocation, vocal, right? So we get the word call, voice, vocal. It's the, it's the calling. It, convocatio is those that are called um, and those called gather. In, in, the, in the Latin word congregatio, it's where we get the word congregation. It's the, it's the very congregation. It is the gathering. It's the very gathering of those who have become believers. And so church it's what it is, all right? It is, it is the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones called out of the world by God. And then you want to break that down a little more. You got convocation. It's the called ones. Congregation, the gathering of the called, all right? And so here it is. Um, I got a, like just a two-part point here is the church is, you know, we're... We're called to gather, right? So we're called to gather and we're commanded to go, okay? So, so this is the church, right? It's not, it's not a building. It's not, never was, never will be. And I understand like there's a church there, right? You see the cross, you see the name. I get it. I am standing in our church building. Where is your church, Sean? Oh, it's at 1516 East First Street. I understand. I understand that context, but really, really, it is not this building. It never was and never will be, right? God does not dwell in temples made with hands, human hands, right? Come on, somebody. But he dwells in human hearts. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the living God, okay? So the church, the bride, the ecclesia, the convocatio, the congregatio, it is simply the called out ones, that gather. It is the gathering of the cult. Okay, so we're called to gather and we're commanded to go. That is it. I mean, you could break that apart, try to expand out that definition, but at the end of the day, that is the true church. It is the body of Christ, right? It is the bride. She is the bride of Christ. Okay, it's his body, this is his bride, it is his temple. 
I think those are the three references in scripture as to how do we describe the church in three ways, okay? The body of Christ, body, believers, fitly joined together. It's believers, it's not a building, right? This is the body, bride. Jesus is the husband. We are the bride, all right? We, he is our single focus, right? He is our everything. He is the lover of our soul. We are the bride of Christ and we are the temple, all right? That, that, that is what the church is. The church, the body, the believers, that's what it is, okay? And so once again, we're called to gather and we're commanded to go, okay? Here we go, Matthew 28. We're gonna get into some things we're gonna get into some things. I'm just kind of establishing the truth right here, okay? And I know some of y'all are probably like, I, we already know, I already know this already, or you know what I mean? But let me just remind you, allow me to remind you, and then we're gonna get into what the church, if we're not careful, it can become, the emphasis can become something it is not. It really is not that, okay? So let's just let it be what it is, right? All right, but here we go. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20. Here it is. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, here we go. This is the great commission. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. He didn't go, he didn't say go build a building, create a church brand, get everybody hyped on the brand you create. Get super creative. Make sure you have lights and smoke machines. Come on, somebody. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things, but what is, what is the church? It is the called out ones that gather. In many different contexts, all over the world, that is the church. Okay? Verse 19 again. Go. So Jesus, risen from the dead, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on, in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them. This is, the, this is the Great Commission. Teach, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and though I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. The Great Commission which is the literal mission, the mission of the church. It's the mission of the church. The mission of the church is, is all about the spiritual development of people. Go, make disciples, okay? Go, all right? Go and make disciples. That's what it was. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. All right, and so if, if we're not careful, the whole emphasis of what we do is a church building where everything spiritual happens there. Like that's the place. It is a place of worship, of gathering, of prayer, of the word of God, of community, of fellowship, communion, right? It always has been that. But 
There's nothing sacred about a particular method or type or name or building of church, right? It's just not what the church is, according to the scripture. And so with that said, let me, let me ask some more questions here. I got questions. I got some questions about this. Because we're talking about church height versus Christ, okay? And so here's my question. Why is the church meaning, meaning, and I, I know we can use church different ways, but I mean the time and place of when a community of believers gather. Why is that the kind of sum total environment of where evangelism happens? Why is it that, hey, I got to bring my unsaved friends to church so my pastor can lead them to the Lord? Why, why do we have to get them here for that? If you as a believer, you as a believer, a believer is called to go, to go. I'm not saying not to bring your friends to church, but why don't you lead them to Jesus right there in your world, right there in your living room? Because you're a believer, right? Come on, somebody. Somebody say this to me. Say, I am a believer. Let me say it a different way. Why is the end game of evangelism at the time and place of church instead of the through the life of the believer during the week? Come on, somebody. Why, why do, why, what, what is it like? And I get it. I get, I mean, of course, um, this isn't about not bringing people to church, but why not bringing them to Christ on your own? Why not, why not show them through the fruit of your life what it means to be a Christian? Why, 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 why is the building sacred for them? Why, why not? You're the building. Come on now. Come on now. I'm not saying not to bring them. I'm just saying, you're the greatest example of Christ they'll see. You're, the, you're maybe the only Jesus they'll ever see. Why not, why not be a witness? That, that's what we're called to do, right? It says, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power on high, right? And that you would be, you know, fill with the Holy Spirit and be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, right? Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Um, you, it's your life. It's you, you're, you're the representative, right? It's like, are we preaching, are we preaching just like church going life or the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Um, I'm a pastor, I'm here every Sunday. I love to, pastor and the gathering and I love seeing just new people in our gatherings but bringing people to church is not the goal that's that can't be the goal that's just not what I see in the scripture it's not the gospel come on now don't believe the hype church church the event of church I'm not talking to people but these the event of church can I say this I'm a pastor the event of church has been overrated at the expense of empowering people to lead people to the Lord right in their life, in their world. Yes, bring them, let them come. But why don't we bring people 
saved and discipled already. What is it? What are we? That's what we're supposed to do. Like the believers, this is the, this is the, what, what I, how I used to hear it back in the 90s and stuff. They would call it the believers anointing, right? Those who believe will cast out devils. Those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? And signs will follow the word, you know, uh, cast out devils, heals the, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, right? Like that's, it says believers in Mark chapter 16. So it doesn't say, hey, when you bring your unsaved ones to the church building. Now, I get it. It's exciting when you invite somebody and they're going to come and you see them or you bring them. I, I don't want to, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but that is not the goal. Um, that should be a secondary consequence of your life and your personal ministry to them. It should just be part of how you minister to them, but not the absolute goal. It's like, you know, I had an opportunity. I met somebody recently that lived right in my neighborhood through this online digital space I teach on. It's called Mess Halls. I teach on there once, once a month. It's a community of skateboarders that kind of gather um, through Zoom. Friends of mine run it. It's like kind of involved in the, you know, ministry slash skateboard world and industries. Um, it's a world I come from and I'm very familiar with the people in it and that, that whole world. I'm still somewhat kind of involved in that culture, just kind of where I come from. It's how I grew up and I'm still just, it's part of who I am as a person. So anyway, so it's just a gathering schedule. There's one dude on there and he says, oh, I live right here. And he literally lived in the, right in the same neighborhood I live in. I was like, whoa, small world. And so my first inclination wasn't like, hey, man, meet me at my church. I was like, hey, let's get some coffee. Let's connect. Um, because, you know, the goal isn't just to get him here. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, of course, I'd want him to come if he's looking for a community or, you know, I'm not against it. I'm just like, I think sometimes we, we got it backwards. All right. So it's like, are we preaching just church life, like church life or the gospel? Right. Um, and so here's another way to say it. Uh, let me let me ask this question. Are we just referencing our church or are we representing Christ? Because you are the church. Of course, I personally, I want people in community. Right. I want people in community. And I, what I mean by community, I just mean like the kingdom of God and just and, 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 and connected to other believers and in some local church context, but let's not make that the goal. Let's make the goal that, man, I'm in a relationship with this individual and I am being a witness. And church, the, the gathering is part of it, but should never be the aim because people's lives are far too, their call and purpose is far too profound profound to just be relegated to showing up to a church building once a week. Can I get an amen somebody? Somebody say it with me, say don't believe the hype. So just to kind of share quickly here, like and much of this, like our heart as a church, and you've probably heard this the last few years if you've been a part of Hopeland in any way, that literally my wife and I in our heart, our prayers for this community, the people that we pastor, right, is that you grow spiritually. Like that is the, that is the goal. That is the end game. 
that is the that is the, the basis of um, our decision making. We we want to see people grow spiritually, their faith to grow, their roots to go deeper, right? And so, I mean, we're going to read a scripture here in just a moment that really kind of just highlights that as the role of spiritual leadership is literally that. That is the absolute goal. And it's not to become just this kind of crowd gathering thing, like driven just to get more people in the door. How about we be driven to develop people more spiritually, right? Because what is this really, right? So anyway, but there's also a context here of this. And I just wanted to share like, and this is my own personal context and everybody's church experience is different and it's unique. And I believe that God is woven and involved and, and part of all of it. But just to, if you all don't mind just me sharing my own just shortly here for just a couple minutes, just my personal experience with church from when I initially got saved and confessed Christ and I knew I was saved at this moment. I was born again. I was a Christian. When I was uh, in the fall of 1992, starting my senior year in high school, uh, bam, I was touched by the Lord. Bam, I, I have not been the same since, okay? But from that point and getting connected to local church, like church for me has always been like a discipleship center. Like it's been that place. It's been largely like 90 plus percent of my Christian life in church and in local church community is an environment of spiritual development and even challenge, like challenging me to, to grow spiritually, right? It's just my context. I mean, I jumped right out of the fire of hell into the frying pan of church, you know what I'm saying? So meaning like, I just went straight in. I mean, I had people in my life, like it was a one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And it wasn't a program, just people just kind of leaning in and helping us understand the word of God. And I, I, I mean, my first church I was in um, that actually sent me out to Bible college as a 20 year old when I just left home and everything. It's a small inner city church, right? Smaller, probably smaller than the church that I'm pastoring right now, you know? Um, around the same size. It's just, you know, and I'm not trying to preach in favor of small church, but it's literally my, my experience, all right? And even when I was a part of church that grew into the hundreds of people as far as, you know, hundreds, and we, we bought land and built a building from scratch on it. And so there was this like organizational growth and growth of that church. But even in that kind of environment, like the culture of that church was very, very much discipleship driven. I've always been in an environment just... You know, it's just my story. So my my very experience with church is that, like, I've, I've just never been, personally, my experience with church isn't like that kind of big church where you just go on a Sunday and you bring your family. And, you know what I mean? I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but that's just not my experience. Like, I just don't, the lens by which I see churches is like spiritual development, discipleship, and like help people grow and go deeper in the things of God, okay? So maybe part of kind of my approach and even just wanting to minister this message, don't believe the hype, is because maybe it do in part to just my own experience, okay? And, but I believe in my experience, there, there's a biblical premise for, for sticking to what the church ought to be, like boots on the ground, front lines, 
It is the spiritual development of people and helping them go deeper in the things of God. With that said, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 to 16, it's a pretty big portion of scripture. Verses here, um, Ephesians 4, excuse me, verse 9 to 16. All right, um, I'm going to read this. And this really kind of just gives a context of what these ministry gifts are for. Like, what, what is it? What is the church? What, what is the calling on these ministry offices, if you could call them that? Apostles, prophets, pastor, evangelist, teacher. Okay, what, what's the role? What's the role? What, what is the nuts and bolts, bottom line? What is their calling? What are they called to do? Ephesians 4 verse 9. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Here it comes. Verse 11. And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Why? Why these gifts? So this is the result of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is sent. And these ministry gifts um, are given. So what are their role? Here it is, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, to equip God's people for the work of the ministry. Not, hey guys, you know, you know the thing, hashtag be a bringer this Sunday, right? Not uh, tell the church to bring people to church. But the equipping of the saints, equipping, arming, training, God's people, so they can go and do the work of the ministry, which is what? Representing Christ in their world, right? It's like our vision as a church is like, we exist so that you would encounter God, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and change your world. Change your world. Change your world. You're an ambassador. It says, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Perfect man, meaning, meaning mature. Okay, it's that word perfect is the word mature. It's the Greek word teleos. It means fully extended, maximum capacity, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children. That's, that ought to just be in the heart of every pastor. Man, I want to develop those under my care. I want to, I want to equip them. I want to give them the spiritual armor. I want to encourage, comfort, edify, build. Why? So they're no longer children, right? They would grow. No longer children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. They grow up in all things into him. They grow up. 
Grow up. Come on, look at your neighbor, tell him, grow up. My grow up in all things in him who is head, Christ. So once again, ministry gifts here. Church leadership, what's it about? Not church hype. What's it about? Christ. Grow up in all things into him. Is this church hype or is this Christ? I'm telling you, ministry gifts are about Christ. It's about Christ. It's about the impartation and development and the transformation of the human soul into Christ-likeness. That is what it is. It's not about this outward church hype, but it's um, interior Christ-like. Not church hype, but Christ-like. Okay? It says, but speaking the truth in love, this is verse 15 again, may grow up in all things in him who is the head Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes, here's that word again, growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm telling you, ministry gifts, it's not about building an organization. It's not about organizational vision. It's not about um, institutional expansion. It's not about a church brand. It's not about cultural, like, religious culture, local church culture, language. Um, I understand those things, those elements, right? Um, I understand that context, but what is the main thing? And what does the scripture say? It is, it is Christ. It is Christ-likeness. It is the divine nature. It is the development of, of the human spirit. In, in, in the things of God. Okay? Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. All right, so here we go. Here's my next point. And, and, and we're going to kind of close with these thoughts here. Man, I got a lot to cover. Not a lot of time. But here we go. Our faith is not in the church. Our faith is not in the church. Whether that is, however you want to look at it. I don't care if you look at it like the church, the organization, the institution, the local church. Our faith is not in the church. Or, or the body, the people. Our faith is not in the church. Okay? So I, let me just read from my notes here. I just want to kind of shoot these things off just to kind of provide some context here. We, we, don't, we don't believe in the church. We believe in God. Okay? The church is from God and for God, but the church is not God. Can I get an amen? Because if you're part of a church, you're going to get hurt. Because why? There's people there. But just remember... Your faith is not in the church. Your faith is in God. Okay? The church worships, but never the object of worship. All right? The church is not the object or the source of our faith. Okay? Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay? So instead of the goal being, and I said this before, let me say it again. Instead of the goal being to bring people to the church, how about be a living witness of Jesus on Monday? And yeah, maybe, maybe you know, as a secondary consequence, bring them. But how about you bring them to Christ? How about your lifestyle? They see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? Amen. Bring them. Come to church. I love it. I love it when people come. I get excited when I hear people come. But 
That's not the goal. That's not the ultimate goal. The goal is Christ. Acts 4, verse 12. Just to reiterate what we're saying here. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. But say this with me. Say, my faith is not in the church. Say this with me. My faith is in God. Jesus said in Mark, the book of Mark, have faith in God, period. Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, I'm gonna give you some quotes here of some, some early church fathers through the centuries. And this has always been something that the church fathers have reiterated. We're going back to even the scripture, right? Um, but even here are some others from early 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th century, 11th century. But let me read some of these. This is Bruno of Versburg. I do not believe in the church because she is not God. St. Ambrose of Milan said, it is the church that believes, right? Meaning it's not that we believe in the church. So we believe, this is Peter Chrysologus. This is a 5th century bishop. He said this, we believe in God then, and we confess that the church is from God and for God. Okay, come on now. Here it is. This is John of Facamps in his book, Confession of Faith. This is the 11th century. He said this, we must not believe in anyone but God. I do not believe in her as I believe in God, but I confess that she is in God and God is in her not as though she herself contained God, meaning she, the church, is not the divine essence. It is Christ. It is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen, somebody? This is Faustus of Reeds. He's a bishop in Gaul. Um, Gaul is in modern-day France. Okay, but here we go. He says this, whoever believes in the church, believes in that. What are they saying by believe? It's like we believe the church exists, but the church is not the object of our faith. And so Faustus of Re said this, whoever believes in the church believes in man. Away with that blasphemous conviction. I'm gonna close with this. Acts 17, verse 24 and 25. God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he himself to all, he himself, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, today that God, our faith is in you, Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would focus on the right things, that our, our, the focus of our faith, our prayer, our life would be on Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the church. I thank you, Lord, for the gathering. But God, let us not overemphasize the time and place that happens in the building more than Christ, the person that is with us every day, all day, from now until eternity. So God, I pray for everybody joining in today that you make them able ministers, that they would be witnesses this week, that others would see Christ in them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. 
And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.